0: As a leader of your company, you must stay up to date with your strategies and execution or risk obsolescence. Welcome to the Finnovate Show. Financial services innovators bringing you the future today. And now, here's your host, Jerry Purcell.
1: It's the Finnovate Show, brought to you by Innovation 360 Group. I'm Jerry Purcell. Get ready to think about your biggest challenges and capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this.
0: Executives depend on external consultants to fill knowledge and experience gaps or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. The Innovation 360 Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leadership from around the globe and cost-effectively makes it available to you. Get the insights, advice, and systems you need to succeed. Learn more at www.innovation360.com.
1: Our guest today is Karen Moynihan, co-founder and CEO of Boss Insights, a data platform that digitizes access to business customer information, accelerating all parts of the commercial lending cycle to deepen relationships and grow revenues. Karen has built a people-first company, and in the words of CBC, a place where roles are fit to people. Boston Sites has been awarded the top 25 leader in lending, been nominated for Entrepreneur of the Year and AI Disruptor of the Year. On today's show, Karen and I will talk about her views on the future of commercial banking, what that might look like for banks, and for other FIs and challengers and for end customers. Karen, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Jerry, it's so great to be chatting with you.
1: You and I have spoken on a number of occasions about the financial services world and, and how commercial banking is evolving. But to start off our conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business.
2: Well, I was, I, myself, I'm a former commercial banker who was lucky enough to work with one of the top banks. And I found myself quite frustrated because I was hired to be a relationship manager and I was really excited to be advising businesses. But in reality, the day-to-day of that job involved a lot of manual work, paper pushing, gathering financial statements, processing those financial statements. There was not enough chocolate boxes in the world to apologize to all the credit officers that I would <laughs> harass to get my loans pushed through. And, uh, and that was where I grew up in financial services. I ended up being in wealth management before starting my first startup in 2014. And that was a financial play that gave buildings significant capital so that they could become energy efficient. Boss Insights was actually not started by a banker. It was started by a technologist. We call ourselves a tech fin, not a fintech. What we mean by that is that there was somebody scaling Amazon in 2013 who realized that the insights that Amazon had that helped them grow their business are the same insights that businesses need everywhere. And without those insights, they cannot make sound business decisions. My two cents was to say that they will have that discipline only when they're asking for outside capital. And that was the real origin of Boston Sites.
1: Very cool. I have some background uh, myself, and I can recall you know, reams and reams of paper reporting and all kinds of stuff that you had to go through to to, to analyze the deal. So I'm, uh, I'm certainly a backer of making the process uh, more simple. Yeah. And just in, in general terms, we, we hear about changes that are, are underway or coming in the financial services industry and in particular in commercial banking. Albeit slowly, mm-hmm. uh, lots of talk about fintech or tech fin, uh, you know, branchless banks, uh, use of analytics, uh, open banking, conduct, all, all sorts of different things like that, and and uh, it, it'll have implications for the industry. And how do you see today's marketplace evolving?
2: Well, we had a, a bit of a catalyst moment, didn't we, in this past year. If you were, and I I know this because I was doing the painstaking work of approaching banks, credit unions, and private lenders before 2020, and we'd say to them, the way that you're lending to businesses, whether it's a small and medium business or a commercial business, is very much outdated because you're approaching them for the information you need every time you need it. And then you're getting them to take information from a cloud-based system where it really could be automatically decisioned into something that turns into a PDF, which is just an electronic piece of paper. And they would say one of two things to us. The first would be we've already digitized. Well, we know that 2020 was a huge year of actual digitization. So when things hit the fan, There's, you either been able to operate in a digital environment or you're not, there's not, you can't just say you've digitized. But the other thing that they would say is it's just not a top three priority. 2020 has made it that we had, has made it so that we don't have another choice. We had to slow the curve, right? That was what we decided in general as a population worldwide. So that meant stopping a lot of economic activity. And the only way to operate was in a fully digital environment. So this year, when we go to financial institutions and we say, you're operating in, a, an, in an outdated way, you have incredible regulatory knowledge, you have an incredible product base. But the way that you're reaching your customers is outdated when you compare it to their expectations led by big tech. They say, that's true. Now, tell me, why should we buy you and not build you? So the conversation has completely changed.
1: Yeah, but they've got Zoom. So if you put Zoom on anything, it it becomes digitized. So you know. <laughs>
2: so, I I'm not kidding about this. In March, it's really March feels like a thousand years ago, and really it was just ha- you know it was not it was three quarters ago, but banks were saying to me, "I gotta go." We're placing our Costco order for laptops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um yeah so the so clearly there's there's differences between you know the smaller companies and the bigger ones the banks the big banks versus the challengers in other words and and so and i and i my observation is that that uh, it's been more difficult to get the banks to embrace the change that's taking place perhaps in uh, in terms of some of the changes in the way that traditional commercial banking is happening is there a way of describing the value proposition for banks in a way that uh, they they could sort of embrace this change a little better?
2: Yes, I I would say that if you're looking to have the latest in technical functionality as a layer on top of your existing lending portfolio, if you wanna delight your customers and give them the same kind of delight moment that they would have with the most innovative tech lenders out there, we have a way that's trusted and proven in market with other financial institutions, both large and small, that can accelerate lending from months to minutes. We've demonstrated that we can increase decisioning by 50%, that we can increase the decisioning and servicing by 80%, and we're doing it with one simple change, a single connection that gives you real-time information on your business customer. Information like accounting, so things like QuickBooks, information like commerce, so Square or Shopify, and also direct banking transactional information. So, if that's of interest to you as a bank or a credit union or a private lender, reach out to us. We can get you set up in under a minute.
1: So, why is there resistance?
2: Well, banks and uh, the larger the financial institution, the more complex the organization is. They do not make. There isn't a single decision maker. Now, this all changed during COVID. I will say when when we were talking about PPP. And U.S. lenders were challenged to facilitate $659 billion of lending in two months. That that number for me boggles the mind. You saw that lenders did have decision makers in the room. And our fastest decision with a bank happened in under two weeks. So they went from, hello, tell us about Boston Insights" to we're going to trust you at this specific moment in time to make sure that we serve our smb and commercial customers and that decision took two weeks including checking our security the legal documentation all of it but typically that is not what happens i think uh, if there are bankers out there listening they're they're probably giggling that's a once in a generation opportunity that would happen in market and we certainly don't want the pandemic to be leading the charge there Typically, there are just a lot of other initiatives and projects going on. What I'm seeing is that there are a, there's a lot of earnest attempts with bankers to try and get to be innovative, but they're stuck in these huge organizations and they have to get buy-in. So it really is the job of the fintech company to make themselves easy to adopt and easy to use and show, show results right away. And that's how we've come to the table in 2020. We also identify who's the real decision maker and what do they want to show? What makes them look good? And then we solve one tiny little challenge and we grow from there. So that's what I would say is happening.
0: The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team routinely needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Imagine having a plan in place in 30 days to focus your innovation efforts, improve customer experience, accelerate your move to digitization, or increase speed to market. Our guide to accelerating your innovation agenda provides you with insights and time-saving resources to plan your path forward. Contact Jerry to book a quick call or for your complimentary copy, at www.linkedin.com backslash in backslash Jerry G E R R Y P U R C E L L or email Jerry at jerry.purcell at Innovation 360 Group.com
1: as an old-fashioned banker myself, I had a real job at one point. I can recognize that there would be challenges uh, or the, 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 they may feel challenged by the, the competition and the access to client information and that kind of stuff. How do you respond to that?
2: I, I, I laugh at the use of uh, real job because this is, this is uh, very much needed right now to get the information out there. So we're all very grateful to you. What I would say is it's all about how you look at the pie, right? Uh, there's there's a concept that you you can look at a pie as a, as a finite thing, or you can expand that pie. Right? Banks are very much if they're traditional in their thinking. What they're considering is, I have my financial products, which, by the way, we should acknowledge, are very expensive to operate. They're not just in terms of time and cost, but also the complexity that's required for a regulated environment. And and that's true, but. But let's look at what happens when you make yourselves open to partnering with fintechs, fintechs that meet the security needs, that meet the regulatory requirements, of course, and that have that pedigree where they can show results in market already. If you create an infrastructure where you're inviting them in, then suddenly you're creating products that people have not created in market. You're expanding that pie. And the analogy that we like to use, it's really appropriate in 2020, is Amazon incidentally has gone into lending but they didn't start in lending amazon's first product was books and they earned their revenue from books and now the the co-founder of boss insights came from amazon so we were chatting about this this morning and he said that actually the minority of their profits come from their own product they created an infrastructure that invites other people to sell products on it and that's where they make their profits so if if financial institutions look at themselves as service providers and invite all the latest in technology in, they will expand the pie tremendously.
1: One of the things that, uh, that I do a lot of work in is innovation. Um, and one of the differentiators between those who are innovative, like the strongest performers in the markets uh, and those who aren't, is what we call openness. And openness is sharing, collaboration, working with other partners. Uh, in fact, even sharing patents, you know, like the uh, Elon Musks of the world who've shared their patents in the world uh, makes a big difference and can have a material effect on the, on the performance of an organization. So so in, the, in that vein, you know, you know, there must be, some partnerships and uh, relationships between traditional and alternative FIs or, or techs or, you know, FinTechs or tech fins or whatever they're, or whatever they're called uh, in terms of moving things forward. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Is that, is, how's that working?
2: Okay. Can we just take a minute to highlight all the crazy, incredible things that Elon Musk has done? Have you read his employee handbook? It reads, no. <laughs> come in, we want you, don't do stupid things because then we'll have to take actions on your stupid things. I, I just, I loved it. Plus, there's such a through line to that career. First, I'm going to figure out how to finance things. And then I'm going to figure out how to create, you know, solar panels. And then, you know, I'm just going to build a car. I can't even remember which one came first. And now I'm just going to, you know, launch and land rockets. It's no big deal. And, and plus, he's so open about the fact that he feels loneliness, which I think is the number one issue that we're all feeling at this time. So have to say that. The, the question on partnership is is absolutely the question of the moment. Who's a client? Who's a partner? How are we all going to translate this into real business so that we live to fight another day? Right? And I hear on panels that banks and credit unions are looking for to partner with FinTechs. To actually make that happen, there has to be a defined need that the financial institution has identified that they come to the table with. So very often we're in meetings and we're asked to talk about boss insights, which I love talking about Boss Insights. I've clearly put my life energy into.
1: Yeah, you've got to calm down, Karen. It's
2: a- <laughs> <laughs> we just data. We've got to calm. The- yeah, I, but, but really what's most important in the discussions I'm having is not necessarily the technology that we built. It's what is the need that you're saying. Are you interested in solving this for small and medium business or commercial business? Because the data you're going to pull is going to be different. And the way you're going to use it is going to be different. And simply by being open to having this discussion, we will be much better able to serve you. So that is the first start. We we are living in a socially distant environment and we need to use each other's strengths in order to meet the challenges ahead. The other thing I'll say is that the second we talk about partnership, we have to remember the most important partner in the room is not the fintech, techfin, whatever, and the banker. It is the end user who often does not get a say. And really what we're talking about here is bringing them to the forefront. We should always be thinking about the end user whenever we develop or partner.
1: So I've been working in the financial services industry for a long time, way longer than I want to admit. Often a lot of the activity that takes place that is deemed to be innovative is really transactional and not really particularly or tactical, not really particularly transformational. So so how would the future look if we were truly transformational with the uh, in the commercial banking space?
2: Oof. I mean, that's a big question. If we were truly okay, here's how I'm going to answer. And and it's going to be a best-in-class answer. You would approach, you would not expect the customer to come to the table and understand the exact product they want because they're an expert in their business, not in your business. And right now, I, I'm not just speaking now as the CEO of a company that's selling to financial services institutions. I'm also speaking as a client of the financial services institutions. We are absolutely expected to come to the table knowing which product we want. That's a travesty. I, How am I supposed to know when I need foreign exchange services or cash management services or a loan and what kind of loan? There are so many different types of lending products. It would be much better if I was proactively approached and said, this is the product that will save you this much money, but we are light years away from that. So that would be the best-in-class approach. And the way to get there is to honor the customer by giving them transparency in their information so that they're empowered to make the best decision for them. Not to hold it so close to the vest and hope that they don't realize something. Rather, service them to the nines so that they're shouting your name from the rooftops.
1: Well, in this case, we're talking about commercial customers. Do you think that they are clear on what their needs are or, and what are their, the, their perceptions of things in terms of how things are evolving?
2: I think that customers might not be knowledgeable about the financial products specifically, but they're really knowledgeable about their own business. And a top three need is capital. It always has been and it always will be. We're growing our economies on the basis of leveraging money, right? We don't have the money to spend it today. So what we're going to do is look at our assets and see what we can borrow, grow, pay that money back and continue to grow. They're really clear on that. And you know what? At this point in time, they have options. And they might not understand it on a analytical level, but they know that they can go and get it from a fintech down the street. So they are aware that they do have better experiences elsewhere that are more expensive. In an ideal world, that more expensive option would be the option for them if they didn't have the means to obtain regular credit. Where banks excel is that they're giving a full service offering. But right now it's the customer's job to go and access that full service offering. We need to change that type of thinking. We need to be able to show the customer where they stand in real time and then say, are you aware that you're selling a lot in a different currency? This will make it cheaper for you. Or your payments are coming in in real time. So you have two options. You could either get a higher interest rate if you sign up for a GIC or... You could actually process your payments sooner and get better payment terms from your suppliers. Can you imagine a world where the financial services institution wasn't just transactional, but was actually that true partner? That would be something.
1: Yeah, I guess what you're saying really is it's moving from a product or service uh, centric model to an outcome centric model. And with that outcome not being uh, today, but sort of a longer term outcome at the end of the business or at the end of uh, the life of of a, a retail client, that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, you said it way better than I did, Jerry, so I appreciate it.
1: That's <laughs> all this it's all this training. <laughs> Anyways, so so lots of stuff going on, lots of challenge and change and whatever. Who's got it right, do you think, in the in the market? Or or at least the beginning part of getting it right?
2: Hmm. I think it's when the tech firms and the bankers partner together that they get it right. Here's what happens when that doesn't, you know, oof. That's a, that's a real question. And I want to make sure I answer it carefully because I have a lot of strong opinions on it. So (laughs) when, when you have a FinTech operating in isolation, they can fund easily, but they can also shut it off easily because they don't have the same onus for a full service relationship. And we've seen that we've actually, if you talk to the ICBA, you'll, they'll bring examples of when FinTechs have done just that when businesses needed the funding most, they just shut it off because it was just too risky. And the reason it's too risky for them is because they were operating at a much higher risk level than the banks were normally. So you have to acknowledge that. By the same token, the banks have the opposite problem. They're just not coming to the table fast enough. I'd love to give a shout out to the community banks who signed up for PPP during during COVID. And they worked very hard to illustrate that you do not have to have branches everywhere in order to serve businesses in a time of need. So they were acknowledged for that. I we are seeing now that you can lend to businesses not just on the basis of their financials, but also on the basis of the income that they're earning in real time. So I would say that the people who have it right are looking at flexible lending models on the basis of what their customers are showing them.
1: And knowing uh, and using data yes
2: and, and data we're, we're basically if this were okay pretend everybody that you can see me what i would say is we're looking at a business owner and here i'm using myself as a metaphor and we're saying i'd like to lend to you and i'm lending to you on the basis of and i'm pointing to my wedding ring <laughs> right collateral we're lending to businesses on their collateral not on their vision right. That's a really historical way to evaluate a business. And there is space for that model. I'm not saying it should go away. But wouldn't it be better to lend to businesses on their merit? And their merit can be established by the real-time data that they enter and is verified by their accountants or the people who are paying them. If you understand that, then you can make a much better bet on that business. I'm going to do this quote box next. So... (laughs) That'll, that'll be the next answer.
1: So, so I'm going to—I just snap my fingers. It's 2030. <laughs> what does the day-to-day uh, experience of a Canadian business look like in the context of commercial banking?
2: Well, we'll all be flying by then without any support. Yeah, we—we we have a choice to make, and I think the reality in 2030 will be much affected by the decision that we're going to make in the next one to two years. Are we going to keep our financial services community closed? in which case we're guarding our products or are we going to open it? If we have it opened where we're inviting the latest in technology, but in an appropriate risk-adjusted way where we get really the best of both worlds, strong financial services ecosystem, but really with the latest in innovation, we're going to see an ecosystem that has a much more varied product set. So right now we have one style of foreign exchange, but that doesn't make any kind of sense. Has anyone tried to send a wire lately? Does any like? Yes. I spent three hours in the bank because my online banking system can't allow for a seven-digit postal code, which is what is required by the UK. It's you know we think we're in the modern era, but we actually aren't. And and the scary thought is is that there are geographies, there are countries that have realized this, and they are farther ahead. The silver lining is is that they've shown a roadmap that we can then fast follow. So, if we decide that we're going to have an open ecosystem where we are all collaborating together, we will see a varied product base that is very customized to the individual business, to the individual consumer. If not, we're going to see that there's going to be a split in the marketplace where there are some banks that are offering banking as a service or core as a service, and there are others that are are opting for the traditional model. And that's what I would predict. I want to know what you would predict since you have a background in this industry. I'm the
1: interviewer here.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: So the, um, so one of the questions I have uh, maybe to close off is, and maybe a bit of a summary, but what advice would you give to leader bankers, basically leaders that, that uh, are big, small or otherwise in terms of how they're going to transform their businesses to be ready for 2030?
2: I'm going to take a line from the C the banking CEO panel that I heard just uh, three or four weeks ago. And they said, we're not actually CEOs of financial institutions We're CEOs of tech companies that happen to sell financial products. We saw this year that there was a huge migration of CEOs that were running the banks of that we used to need. And they were not wanting to run that style of financial services institution. The thing is, we're here now, and digitization is a top three priority. It's part of business continuity. So the CEOs of the future are going to lead the financial services institution, these regulated industries. They're going to need to be able to navigate in a fast-moving, in a fast-changing marketplace, fast-changing ecosystem. And they will be the pillars if they do it correctly. So I'm really inspired by some of the market leaders that we're seeing today and how they're looking to collaborate to create best in class products. They're not getting one supplier and looking to cut their costs. They're taking best in class and they're building a specific layer on top of it and that's their value add. So that's what I think the CEOs of the future in banking will be bringing to the table. Very
1: cool. Thanks Karen. It's uh, it's been a been a great conversation. Uh, I think we should have another one at some point soon.
2: Good. What are you doing tomorrow?
1: <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> so, uh, so that wraps up this episode. And as always, I look forward to hearing thoughts from you our listeners about today's show. Keep the conversation going. If you like the show, tell your friends. And please take a minute or, or to rate our show or to comment on LinkedIn. Go to www.innovation360.com or your favorite podcast site to find out more and listen to more shows. Stay safe. See you next week. Karen, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. You've
0: been listening to The Finnovate Show with Jerry Purcell. If you like the show, share it on your network and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. This is The Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today.